you're listening to Pixels Podcast, a show dedicated to talking about all things gaming, movies, streaming, and more. My name is Pixel Sean, and I am a live streamer looking to turn online content creation into a full-time occupation. I'm sitting down with other content creators to talk about their journey, their struggles, the lessons they've learned along the way, and just to have a good time. If you do want to support this show, you can give this show a rating, and you can also find all my socials in the description below. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Pixels Podcast. We are joined today with Nick, aka Jerified. Let's bring him onto the show. Nick, how you going, mate? How's it going? How are you doing? Good. We're all doing good. Uh, welcome to everyone who is watching this live or on Twitch or wherever you are watching from. Um, before we do get into it, where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, it's pretty much Jurified across everything. Um, yep. I've even got the Jurified.com domain and a lot of the stuff that I've got is oh, on nice. there. Um, links out to everything. So you'll find me, yeah. Jurified in Google as well. I'm pretty... It's, it's been around for a while, so I've got a lot of... Keep that, that search term is pretty much mine. Nice. I was lucky you picked up on that one. <laughs> That's uncommon these days. Yeah, I think I, I got in so early that, um, and I, I kind of, it's such a unique name that yeah. I've been able to kind of get it all together. So yeah. it's, been, it's been pretty good. Yeah, awesome. All right, cool. Yeah, so if anyone wants to, um, you know, after the podcast or while you're looking at it or while you're listening to it, um, look at Jerified, just search in Jerified. Um, again, all his links and socials will be in the show notes or description of wherever you're listening to. Um, but let's just jump right in. So you have a sort of unique history um, in the content creation world. Do you want to give us a bit of a rundown to your background, um, sort of what you do, what your exp- uh, sort of expertise are and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, so... It's really kind of goes back to when I was doing sales in IT. Um, always a gamer, really. And and then did a lot of IT sales, hardware and everything. And then there was an opportunity that come up in head office to go do marketing. So I went off and did that. Nice. And got really more involved with kind of content creation as a whole and what was happening with Twitch at the time. Yep. And, and kind of got in, ingrained in that culture. Um, and then throughout that, kind of got to work really closely with brands, um, you know, gaming brands, Corsair, NVIDIA, AMD, Intel, all of them nice. uh, with trying to do more marketing development and especially in our region, figuring out what to do with it. Mm. Um, and everyone kept kind of looking at content creators, YouTubers and all of that as the next stage of where they would spend their funds. Mm. Um, so got to work with really cool people and throughout that time did a similar podcast to this for them uh, for about 50 or so weeks. Oh, uh, nice. Then transferred into a startup for esports and gaming. Um, I was kind of doing a little bit of freelance stuff for website development and, and other things and moved into that hmm. and got to work with even bigger creators. So we got to um, do some collaborations with like Barjo, with Click Crew. Um, with, we didn't really do much with the Misfits, but we kind of got to ch- talk to them about certain things. Yeah. Um, and it was just bringing deals to and partnerships to creators in, in, in our region. Um, I think the, one of the biggest things that I worked on was like a, full player report for counter a counter-strike team um and and build out you know the player stats who to recruit why to recruit them um from from that side hmm. um, another project we did was we actually had um jackson warren shane Warren's son uh working with us in a like a, a content creator house uh, maybe um, you showed me of- that yeah yeah so we did a lot of lot of interesting projects and it was a crazy 2019 for me yeah um doing all of that type of stuff 
Uh, then kind of decided to step away from it for a little bit, work, focus on other things and focus on myself a little bit. Yep. Uh, and, and just kind of, yeah, moved on since then and just keeping an eye on things, really interested to kind of build myself as mm. more of like the marketer and maybe even content creator back into the space, but not necessarily from an agency point of view. Mm. Um, so it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's good to get a all round, you know, 360 view of how partnerships work with creators, but also as a creator, how to work with partners. I think um, so that's, yeah. that's a really, really good insight. You've got that sort of backend knowledge. Hardly anyone who is, is a streamer really has that, you know, can say that they've worked on the back end and helped other people grow in that space and, had the same sort of experience. You've come with that very, very unique kind of experience. Um, just with everything with the coronavirus and all that sort of stuff. Now, you said that you did step out of that kind of industry a little bit. Um, yeah. What have you been doing? Has that impacted your time streaming or making content? Has it given you more time, less time? Yeah, I guess it's been interesting. So 2020, I basically twitch, switched between three jobs. Yep. I was working... Um, I was working in like an art center um, as a marketing analyst for them for three months and the contracts okay. didn't extend uh, purely because of COVID and uh, other reasons, basically, like they didn't have funds available during that time because yep. they weren't sure. Um, There's just a lot of ambiguity across the board, I guess. Like, so a lot of people, a lot of people in similar positions. Yep. Um, and that's where throughout, I think when I found out in about April that I wouldn't be working past June, I was like, all right, I need to do something. So I cut everything that I was doing and focused on what could I what could I do to bring in income. And I started doing a lot of freelance stuff with the skills that I built up over the past. Hmm. Um, that included like graphics design, a little bit of motion design and animation. Yeah. Um, and some some web design a little bit as well, not too much. Yeah. Um, and I, I started helping people with live streams as well. So there were actually like there was a church in uh, Chicago that I was working with to help build um, how they could live stream to their audiences um and and figure out how to use facebook live to actually do their ceremonies online um there were families that wanted to do like um, host birthday parties there's a dj that wanted to do some zoom like really cool <laughs> zoom interactions with his family and host the new years for 2020 oh, um, which cool. was really cool <laughs> um so there's so like a lot of a lot of cool little projects like that with people that wanted to do it but didn't have any they wanted to be shown how to do it not go through thousands of youtube videos to learn how to do it yeah i guess and that's where like yeah it was a little bit more like hand holding yeah but it, it kind of gave me a separate income to focus on while i was worrying about what my job would be yeah um and then i got really lucky that one of my freelance jobs in australia picked up and they asked if i wanted to jump on part-time and i've been there since july yeah nice is what, what what kind of freelance work are you doing with them, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so that's more traditional marketing. Okay. Um, so, so basically a lot of digital marketing across the board. Mm. Um, it's, you know, Facebook advertising, Twitter, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, we have got some TikTok stuff going as well. Yeah. And a lot of um, analytics tracking as well. So yep. um, having a small, like a variation background of web design and everything, I've mm. been able to track a customer journey and funnel from beginning to end and yeah. all of the touch points. Yeah. So mapping that out for more, more corporate clients and education clients to understand where their traffic is coming from, what's mm. it doing and, and how, what, where is it ending up? Yep. And that's kind of, you know, it's still, I feel like it overlaps really well with some content creators and especially what's happening and what happened to Mixer and several other things. I think there's, there's a mindset that I've been seeing that, is slowly shifting over time and that's like everyone needs to start diversifying 
Big time, yeah. So I, in a lot of my videos, I just say, you know, and I think I mentioned it in a past podcast as well, um, it's no longer good enough just to go live for a couple of hours a day and have that be your main sort of content. Um, you know, the same thing with Harris Haller and all that sort of stuff. They're saying you need to make a YouTube video. You need to offer, you know, content of value. You need to bring value to your audience. Um, and that's how you grow your live streaming. Um, so I'm, I'm very big on diversifying sort of content and the analytics. Um, and that's something I do want to sort of touch and, and, you know, get get into the conversation with you about is the whole analytics side of things what websites might be worth your time over other websites if, if people are sort of time time constrained um, a lot of mm-hmm. conversations i have with people is they say oh you know it's all well and good to say diversify your content go across multiple platforms and all that sort of stuff um but then they always come back to say, well, I don't have time to make a TikTok, make an Instagram post, make a YouTube video, sit down there. I've got, you know, X amount of kids. I have a full-time job. I have to go to the gym and I also have to sleep. So is, is there some sort of platform that you would say, you know, favor one over the other or something that's a bit more useful to people or anything like that to sort of help content creation and grow your brand online? Yeah, I think the, the biggest problem in diversifying content content is the biggest streamers and and content creators and youtubers say to do it but they've mm. already got a team of one or two behind them to help yeah. them do that and and this is where i think there's a big misconception is find which one or two platforms you are doing the best on mm. and which one's getting the most engagement not necessarily the followers yeah and that's where it's it's you know getting the most engagement is one metric um, that I tend to look at a lot more than than followers and impressions. Mm. And it, again, it depends on the brands that you work with um, and, and the kind of content and the, the people and community that you want to build. Yeah. But I think it comes down to like the biggest one so far has been like in, like in, in the past was Instagram and YouTube bringing, um, bringing the ability to find your content, find who you are so that you can funnel them through to Twitch. Yep. Uh, and that's, that's been like a traditional thing that's everyone talks about. And if, if you've seen Harris Heller, you talk, or, or any Roberto Blake or whoever else, they always yep. talk about diversifying that way. Um, I guess the hard part, like with new platforms coming out like TikTok and the whole Gary V mindset is always taste everything and, mm. and see what fits. And if you enjoy making the content on there, if it's actually performing, then you may transition out of Instagram into TikTok yep. or out of TikTok into something else. Um, and, and that's where picking up at the right time and, and getting a feel for it first and then kind of executing on that more. Hmm. But f- from a traditional standpoint, a lot of what happens is people do that shotgun approach where they kind of put uh, a money or a campaign goes towards every platform, Facebook, Instagram, Google ads, YouTube, pre-rolls, mid-rolls, all of that. And then they spend ridiculous amounts of money to figure out if that works, yes or no. And that's only normally for companies that have, you know, uh, $100,000 budgets or yeah. more. So we're talking to big people in content creation. Then when you look at small to medium business, the mom and pops, um, dad's like storefronts, the brick and mortar that are like local business, hmm. they don't have that money, which is what a lot of the streamers that you and I and whoever else around our level, it, that's who we are. So trying to reach to those smaller, trying to utilize what you've got with us as a smaller person, smaller audience with no budget, hmm. You have to be. You have to be really time. Um, not you. Not have to be really kind of. What's the word? Strict with your time. You yeah. have to be really deliberate with your time. So good and time management skills. 
Yeah, and yeah. that's something that I'm still I'm still not that great with. Yeah, and it's kind of kind of consistency, and mm. I think that's the big thing that some most of the time you'll find is the reason that people don't get to where they want to be, whether it be content creation, is is purely because of the consistency. Mm. That's the thing. Like some people will you know do the full time job, come home, or go to the gym, you know, have a shower, have dinner, and all that sort of stuff, and then they go, "Cool, I've got two hours to make something," and I'm just I just do not have the energy to do anything. Um, so they just sort of fall out of that consistency, as you were saying, just to say, well, look, I can't be bothered making something tonight. And, you know, before you know it, one day turns into three, that turns into a week, turns into a month, and then you're just completely fallen out of it. Um, and then you know, people who might have been sort of trickling into your channels or your online social media, they're just not coming back anymore because you're not being consistent with putting up any sort of content same thing with live streaming if you're gonna have a schedule be consistent and be deliberate with that because people now with especially my streams they'll turn up before i even go live just because i'm consistently going live at a particular time so i think consistency really is one of the biggest things that can help regardless of whatever platform that um, you do decide to go on whatever you know style fits your sort of style of content whatever website you want to use just being consistent is one of the best things you can be just on any sort of website to help you grow yeah definitely i guess like for your content i know you've you've kind of diversified a lot and you've got like pixel flipping you had you had pixel sean and then the pixel podcast hmm. i guess like from from my perspective i'm just asking you openly like <clears throat> the time the time across all of those <laughs> to do youtube for those three channels and the podcast and then you know some of the socials and stuff hmm. how have you found it because i know i know for me like my biggest problem is i don't necessarily have a a specific niche or game that yeah. i play and a lot of the people that i've found that have made it really big or done really well um as an example for Australia, Pestily in recent times, hmm. he streamed Tarkov for nearly two years straight. And I'm yes. not, I'm not joking when I say this is two years straight. Um, he had maybe a th- less than, less than two months off total throughout those two years Shit. separate, like across different days. Yeah. Um, and you know, you look at Twitch, uh, like uh, sites like tr- Twitch tracker and you see what days he streamed, how long he streamed for the amount of viewers um, he reached and concurrent viewers per day. And, that's the like i did a twitter post about it when he first blew up and i was like he's done people don't understand how much work he put up before it blew up on twitch purely because tarkov had a drop event and he was like the main person that had it going yeah and it's crazy he's become one of the biggest streamers in australia uh, purely because of that event Hmm. and has just ridden that wave and and everyone's followed him through a top through tarkov yeah so do you think if he, because this is, this is a complaint that a lot of big streamers um, talk about as well, they'll become known to play a particular game and then when they sort of go off the game, playing one game for two years straight is is insane to me. Like that's, that's a yeah, lot of time. Yeah. But, you know, if you're growing your career on that, that's great. But the second you say, hey, guys, I want to change games, that's when these big streamers say, oh, you know, all these people start complaining, saying this will be the end of you, blah, blah, blah. Do you find, I'm not sure if you actually have any data or, or knowledge of this, but do you find that people actually do tend to drop off when big streamers change the games that they're known to play? I, I don't have any data on it, but hmm. I guess like the, the best reference would be Devin Nash and what yeah. he talks about, right? And and he has the data. And a lot of the stuff, it, it can drastically affect what game you play and when you play it yeah and 
there's a lot i get you've you've probably seen the videos as well but there's a lot of recent talk of him talk, saying that twitch's meta is now collaboration between other major twitch players yeah and it's not not necessarily the game anymore it's who you're playing with yeah and and that that's where i think the bigger changes come across the years is before when things were up and coming it was the game it was you have to play this you have to grind it out yeah uh, and do that now it's hit a saturation level where those those audiences and you've probably seen that reddit um that reddit pollination of cross audiences as well it's like all these yeah. little circles yeah. everywhere yeah that that's what's happening even more so the bigger audiences are crossing with everyone yeah then then you know the the next level was i think ninja loser fruit um the greg the, the gref the the recent two million dollar two million concurrent streamer yeah from spain and laser beam they mm. all they did a four of them played Fortnite together yeah and they're kind of the biggest content creators across multiple platforms yeah so and it's crazy to see how that's kind of working. Yeah. So I've seen that, um, you know, with Among Us coming out, everyone was on Among Us. You have Rubber Ross, you have Pokey, you have Ninja, um, you know, all, all sort of playing different games with each other and just having those sort of group Among Us sessions. Um, yeah. The, even, um, even AOC, Alexandria. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And then you have, um, what was the last one? The last one was Rust with XQC, Mizkif, Fan. All that sort of stuff. So everyone was just getting into these multiplayer games. And this is what I was kind of thinking. I'm like, you know, the, the importance of the game really isn't there that much anymore. Some people might tune in because they might like the game, but it really comes down to the streamer's personality and who they're actually playing with now. Um, and yeah. that was one of the big sort of motivations for me to, to do a podcast as well. It's like, well, I can see that online or live streaming is very much going to like a sort of a more of a networking sort of position that you know in my opinion it is it's less about the game and more about who is streaming and who they're talking to and all that sort of stuff um that's where i think the um the future is going and i don't have the stats with me now but the biggest category at the moment on on twitch is is just chatting and that's been growing exponentially, like faster than any other category on Twitch as of late. I haven't checked it um, in the last couple of weeks, but over the last year or so, that has been one of the fastest growing categories on Twitch to stream to. So it's clear that now, even on Twitch, like games, you don't even have to play a game at all to to be, you know, in in a very, very fast growing category. It might help, but it's clear that people are a lot more concerned about actually watching someone for their personality and who they actually are rather than what they're playing. Unless, you know, on the, on the outside chance, you know, they're a speed runner or they're super skilled at a game and they're just sort of showing off that. But for an everyday sort of normal streamer, it really comes down to personality. Like if you have a good personality and you're, you know, engaging with your fans and all that sort of stuff, you can put on whatever you want. I don't think many people would actually care if you have that established community. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And th th this part is where it's become a lot more difficult for someone like me. I'm not an entertainer streamer, right? Mm. I'm not, I'm not the, I'm not the hype guy. I'm more the educator and the person that will do a lot of the how-to stuff. Mm. And I still have yet to find, especially on Twitch and a lot of the content that I've done, which direction I wanted to take it in. Mm. Cause at the beginning, like maybe I'd say like five, six years ago, the biggest stream I ever had was a Clash of Clans launch date. Clash of Clans or Clash Clash Royale launch date. Yeah. And because because Australia had the game first for the first like week or so, yep. I managed to like peak at 120 almost the whole week. Oh, nice. And 
and that was like, do I ride this out or do I not? And if I, if I had continued creating Clash Royale content and ridden that wave um, as, as it blew up, as it opens on different servers and regions, would that have like made me go full-time on Twitch? And that's a mm. decision and a thing that I, I called, always thought about. And I'm like, I played it for about the week and I, I got to a point I'm like, I don't want to be stuck playing this game, the mobile game, hmm. to the, the, the mobile audience for this period of time. And it, it, you know, it's always a question like, if I did go, would yeah. I be full-time streaming now? I don't know. Um, and, and that's the kind of thing that you look back on at, at moments like that is like, was that a, another wave back then that I could have gone with? Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of things like that that you, you have to make a real decision as to what your morals are mm. and a bit of ethics. Cause I I'm not a betting man. Like I don't I don't enjoy gambling or betting, but at that time I was kind of like I was using my wins and losses as bets with for, for points. Yeah. In a in a point system. This was before they hit internal points on um on Twitch. So you would say like it would be like on a bot, like a chat bot, and it would just be enter amount of points, um, win, lose, you get your points back, you don't get your points back, or yeah. you, you double your points basically. Um, there was no redemption system or anything. It was just kind of like people were betting for points. Mm. Um, and I, I was, yeah, I was in a weird like ethical dilemma. I was like, do I want my stream to be focused about the betting on me winning or losing Clash of, client, Clash of Royale matches? Yeah. Um, and I decided I didn't. And that that's where I kind of like jumped out of it, pivoted, and the audience didn't follow. Mm. And, and that's a decision that I live with. And I'm like, okay, I made that decision for a reason. Even though it hasn't worked out too much on Twitch and content creation, um, I was able to still better myself in other ways, develop yep. more skills that not, even if they don't help in what I do for content, it's it's helped me better a career in, yep. in something that works together. Yeah, no, exactly right. I definitely think like, if you are going to be doing online streaming and, and all that sort of stuff, you definitely need to have, I guess, a personal standard that you hold yourself to. Hmm. Um, and, and, you know, everyone knows there are certain games you can play for views. But with, with, with me, one of the things that I can't stand is playing one game for too long. Um, mm -hmm. I know, yeah. you know, you can play Jackbox Party and that will be great for views. Back in the day, you could play Marvels on stream and that would be great for views. And I'm just trying to think, I'm just sort of started thinking to myself, I'm like, I could sit here for three hours and watch marbles fall down a hill and <laughs> guarantee that I'll get viewers. Yeah. But I'm like, I'd hate it. I'd hate streaming and have to pretend to be excited about watching marbles roll down a hill for the, you know, 20th time today. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll start playing things that I enjoy. It might not necessarily attract the viewers and all that sort of stuff but at least uh, i'm sort of holding myself to the standard to say well i'm not sort of not not selling out so much but not just trying to be i guess desperate for the viewership holding myself to stand and say well i'm gonna keep this fun for me and i know eventually hopefully it will work out but i think you owe it to any kind of audience that is, is watching you to be genuine from day one you're not just trying to scalp for viewers and you know fake you know if, in, like like in your case if you're not the hype man, don't pretend to be that because, you know, push comes to shove and later on down the road, people are going to start to see that that isn't your personality. Mm, so yeah, you, yeah. I, I really think you need to be genuine with um, who you are as a person first and foremost. Like, you, you know your ethics, you know your morals, and then obviously translate that to to your actual audience because these are the people that are going to be supporting you across the whole time and building you up. If you're lying to them from day one, like, 
what why why would you expect them to to push you up when you're trying to grow so yeah yeah it, it's a good point and that that's the been the hardest thing is as well as like me figuring out on stream and on on my content what are my morals and ethics mm. and and that's a question that i think it comes down to you know sometimes social anxiety sometimes um what's the other like imposter syndrome mm. that all that whole conversation comes up a lot yeah and and you get afraid as to if i don't follow this way i'm going to get canceled or if i if i go this route there's going to be a lot of backlash yeah and and this is the stuff and the questions that like i don't in, i don't normally say out but it kind of feel you feel it internally no. and, and sometimes it wraps in your mind it's like should i have said that on twitter should i have posted this should i have? and usually if it's a should i should i not um i i just cut it and it's not yeah. it's not there it doesn't exactly. exist which yeah. which limits a lot of stuff and and mm. kind of me questioning a lot of that um and and that's where it's like i i'm i feel like i'm a good person mm. i feel like i'm trying to do right and i'm not trying to be mean or be cruel or do anything like that and mm. and my nature is very like calm and collected and it just comes the internet has a weird way of like twisting everything yeah and it, it absolutely yeah. does it's it's just yeah like so i've sort of stopped putting things on twitter like I, i'm not you know racist or sexist or anything like that but i'm just i'm always going through my twitter like how would this look from an outside perspective like online content is you know content creation is a big goal that i have um but you know like you were saying i'm just i'm just getting like oh is someone gonna misinterpret that is someone gonna twist it this way that way like it's it's constantly something that's sort of on your mind so i 100 yeah, agree with you there um it's just it's a constant worry and i it's the pressure's always building there, there seems to be kind of like an, an outrage culture that's definitely growing online and you have to sort of pick your size on certain things and watch what you say and like you said if not you can get cancelled and it's just like oh, <laughs> yeah and i think there's a fine line between between having a laugh and and offending someone yeah and and the, and the, you know you can't, i don't this is probably outside of content creation a lot of the stuff that we, we wanted to talk about hmm. but it, it like even comedians have a lot of issues with this now yeah and like what used to be funny is no longer allowed to be funny hmm. um because of certain stigmas and yeah some really interesting stuff about like classifications that i think would benefit a lot of people hmm. and so you know we've got classifications for r ratings nudity all of that type of stuff yeah um and drug use as being one as well but there was a big in interesting conversation about racism being a part of the classification system hmm. and if they were going to be racist they can explicitly say this has racist potential potentially racist content in it um relating to not to be dis like this harming to someone but to depict history or to, to depict um real life as to what has happened yeah um or for comedic sense like if there is are they they're not necessarily hurting someone they're hurting everyone if that makes sense like mm. it's not they're not targeting anyone they're they're going after every race every culture yeah, that's it and that's what a lot of comedians have done in the past and i think yeah there's a real interesting thing where it's sometimes taken too seriously Hmm. All right. Yeah. Hundred percent. Like uh, that's why I'm just 
I'd sort of just stay on the side of caution and just say, cool. Like if yeah. I, I sort of doubt it, I'm kind of like, yeah, nah, I'm not probably like, I, I don't have any sort of tweets around race or anything like that. But if I, I'm like, if, if, if this can at all be misconstrued or twisted, I just go, yeah, you know what? It's probably not worth it's putting it up. Probably not worth it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially, and and especially... the big thing. Go ahead. Sorry, go on. I was going to say the big thing as well is you don't know who's watching on Twitter anymore. Yeah. And the the big the biggest thing that i always think of and remember is it takes it takes years to build up your reputation and five minutes to ruin it yeah right? that that's someone's quote and i can't remember who hmm. um someone like warren buffett i can't remember who yeah but right that that's the, that's one big thing and it's like you want to protect your reputation at all costs you want to be genuine but you also want to not be a prick not not go so far down that rabbit hole that yeah. you, there's no return yeah that's it. And what I was going to say was people are getting pulled up on things they say seven, ten years ago. Yeah. So it's yeah. especially if anyone is listening and looking to get into online content creation, make sure you're auditing what you're putting up online. And if it can be misconstrued as anything negative, don't put it up. Don't. Yeah, you know, once definitely. it is out there, you can get records of it. Like people know what they're doing and they can pull it up. <laughs> Like the, the one thing that, um, the only reason I have Facebook now is to go through my memories and, and pr- t- delete or make things private. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like talking to friends, like some friends, that's the only reason I have it. Cause I don't remember what I posted yeah. in 2010. Yeah. And I, I know I can go back and probably delete stuff, mm. like all of it. But I was like, there's still stuff in there that I'd prefer to keep or yeah. at least have on private. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so there's, you know, there's a lot of that and it's crazy how much good and bad there is a oh yeah it, it's just <laughs> this huge reflection of just how the times have changed and it hasn't even been that long but it's just tr- just changed so much yeah definitely but yeah um one thing i was gonna ask you about as well just sort of getting back into content creation and i guess sort of exposing yourself online and um getting yourself out on as many sort of sites as possible Devin Nash I'm not too sure if you've um if you've seen the video he's quite a big advocate for restreaming and he actually got into a debate with Harris Heller who isn't <laughs> for restreaming um do you have any particular opinions or preferences over restreaming or anything like that so we we we've kind of talked about this off off stream and mm. kind of had chats about it very briefly as well um I did pick up restreaming recently, pretty much the same time. I think you were kind of dabbling in it, and I, I've been playing around with with the fact of restreaming. And I had this Twitter post, and I'll probably find it if I, and I can link it to you later. Um, mm. Of I, I created these images of what a content creator does or streamer does versus what a business does for yep. for a lot of things. And I think it comes down to restreaming being you get more. You're not um, constrained to one single platform. Yeah. Um, but it's more important when you do a restream is where you're sending the focus to afterwards. Hmm. Not, so as an example, we, we would restream to Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, not Twitter, sorry, um, Twitch, and potentially something else like LinkedIn if you're a business. Yeah. So four, four different platforms. But the problem there is for a content creator, they're all, all of that audience and everything is technically owned by the platforms that it's reaching you don't have any availability to contact them outside of those platforms usually unless mm. they follow you somewhere else or you have their direct email. 
And that's what a business does really well. They're really good. The whole purpose of a business for marketing is to get an audience to your website or to your, uh, to your email list. So you have yeah. direct contact to those customers and clients. Um, content creators are still trying to learn that. Hmm. As, and I think that's where the conversation leads. And from a, from a Twitch audience, they won't understand that. So watching someone on Twitch and seeing them only on Twitch, the Twitch audience will most likely, and, and this is a very broad generalization, won't gather the fact that it's you know unique to Twitch unless it says the restream branding in in the comments or the pro, the somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I do agree with Devin Nash in the fact that you have more options to hit more multiple audiences because Twitch, YouTube, uh, D Live. Trovo, wherever else it's restreaming to, Facebook, yep. they all have different audiences. And from my, I, you've probably seen it as well, but from my personal um, restreaming, like analytics and anecdotal evidence, a lot of people that wouldn't watch me on Twitch that I know in real life are watching me on Facebook. Hmm. Yeah. And I'm getting more conversation on Facebook with people that I've had a real life interaction with. Yep. talking about the games, talking about the what we're doing, what we're playing, um, than I have been on Twitch. Hmm. And it's because the Facebook audience, most of them that I have on my Facebook audience isn't on, aren't on Twitch. And you have to think about that as the same for YouTube and the same for DLive and Trovo. There's a reason that they've either shifted away from Twitch or they're yep. only on Facebook. Um, and that that's where I think the true power in restreaming is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 100% agree. And... Yeah, I've spoken to uh, to some people and they have said that no matter who is on Twitch, for whatever reason it could be, whether it's something more recent or just with the you know, the way that the um the the site is going in in their you know opinion, they will just refuse to use Twitch anymore. Um, and what I've seen online is a lot of people just sort of hanging shit on Twitch, really, you know, just given their last year or so. Um, and just sort of the the sort of controversy and drama they've been involved with, um, and a lot of people are just saying you know YouTube's the next big thing, or they just refuse to use Twitch at all, and they're going to say no, nah, I'm not supporting this streamer because they go to that website. So people have strong opinions about everything. Some people will say I'll only watch people on Twitch. So I think just having that power of restream, as you say, it it can gives you the potential to I guess capture all audiences at the same time. Um, and I'm, I'm a huge advocate for restreaming, especially, you know, given YouTube and they've just implemented, I'm not too sure, but, um, if you've seen it, but they've just introduced these new clipping feature, um, onto yep. the website. So it's, it's very clear that they are making strides in that streaming space. Um, they do want to be taken seriously. Uh, I put up a video about it, but, um, one of the, the higher ups in the YouTube gaming space did say that there is more on the way. So it's very, very clear that they're making strides to get into the streaming space, but whether YouTube takes over or they don't, or Twitch remains number one, restreaming allows you to capture all audiences across multiple different websites. So, you know, especially when for me, especially when you're just sort of starting out or you are considered a small streamer, I think the growth potential just on just doing restreaming far outweighs anything you could possibly get on just any one website. Um, I don't understand people who are kind of against it. Um, one of the big arguments I hear is that, oh, it sort of just it sort of dilutes your stream or your content. 
and then I show them the um, you know the the chat where it's all you know pushed into one and everyone has context and everyone's grouped together in the one chat box and they go oh so people do see my comments and they go yeah everyone's in the same chat box really um, yeah but yeah that, that's that's one big thing that people just aren't sort of aware of but again with everyone making moves and new streaming sites coming up left right and center I don't see the point in sort of being brand loyal to one when you could potentially get the audience you get on, let's say Twitch, as well as maximize the audiences that you can get on YouTube, Facebook, DLive, Trovo, any, any other website that, that um, you know, you want to stream out to. It's just creating more exposure and, you know, more chance to, to be discovered. And as, as you said at the start, if one really does start to take off, you can hone in on what's working but I think if you're sort of at the ground level, you know, let's say under 10 viewer average or something, just try it. Just try and get exposed and, and just see what's working. Yeah, no, I, I agree as well. And I, I, coming back to the point of like those against it, I think back, you know, the, back before all these other platforms started doing live streaming, mm. you could own, you only, you didn't have choice to choose which one. And the audience was pretty thick for, for, for Twitch, for yeah. gaming content, for for live gaming content, and then you know now Facebook Gaming, YouTube, um, all of the other ones that have come out offer a similar experience and potentially different type of flavor to to what a live gaming or live content consumption is. Hmm. Um, I I understand the reasoning to to like why people think you should only stream on one and not not go to multiple and at the same time. And I understand where it's like, you know, you're diluting the audience to, to multiple different platforms, but I think it still gives you the ability to reach a larger potential audience yeah. than streaming on one platform. Yeah. Now with the recent changes that YouTube are bringing in, um, as I said, it's very clear that they are, um, I guess, going to be taking themselves a bit more seriously in the streaming space. In, in your opinion, I'm sort of putting on the spot here. Do you think, or do you see Twitch going down the same route as mixer eventually because from i guess to give that question a bit of context mixer set themselves up as a new streaming site that didn't really offer anything new to twitch which was the the biggest and still is the biggest one at, at the moment so they've said hey we're a streaming site and on on most parts they were basically identical to to twitch like they didn't really have too many features that were different from twitch so the question was why would I stream over on Mixer versus Twitch? Like, what features are you offering that's different? Um, and, you know, to me, that was one of the big reasons why they they had to close down because not many people moved over there, even though they acquired Ninja and Shroud. Um, they just didn't really offer too much. They didn't address the issues that people had with Twitch. So there wasn't really that incentive to, to move over. My thing is with Facebook and YouTube, they actually offer a lot more than what Twitch does at the moment. So obviously with Facebook, you know, you have your status updates, you have different sort of forms of of, of media. Um, you can do your, your polls, you can do image uploading, you can do statuses, live streaming, upload videos, you know, photos, all that sort of stuff. On YouTube, you have your community posts, you have short form content, long form content. With and, and obviously on both of those, you still have the live streaming as well. With Twitch, most of it, you know, most of what makes Twitch great is just the live streaming um, sort of 
you know the the live streaming part of the website that that sort of makes up 90 percent of twitch so with other websites having that live streaming functionality as well as other short and long form content do you see twitch becoming irrelevant later on in the future especially when facebook and youtube are making strides to be taken more seriously yeah it's a difficult very difficult question to answer i think twitch since being acquired by amazon have not made the right decisions and Mm. i think it's been all uh up the uh, sorry not all it's been all top down not bottom up yeah and that's where i think the failures are coming in and seeping out and it's hard to say where this will be in you know five to ten years time Mm. will twitch continue its stride will will something else take over and I think you've hit a lot of great points in terms of there's nothing else besides live streaming on Twitch hmm. that people can come to consume content for. Yeah. And and that's that's the big issue there is in order to get people to watch your live stream on Twitch, you have to be discovered, but there's no real discoverability. Yeah. Even though it's been a big push and they're trying to figure out, you know, with tags and with different filtering options, the the audience that the audience um has been trained to watch the highest streamer in the highest categories hmm. all like you know the top the top five to ten streamers they're the ones that will constantly get that mob mentality that that kind of social proof of audience yeah that that's where I think there will be a lot of issues and even things like the home page like you're not you're not getting featured on there unless you're partnered most of the time yeah um there isn't a discoverability unless you're already you've been in with or you've you're getting more notice within your local regions. Hmm. That that's where I think there'll be a lot of issues. And I can't I can't see what they can do right now that will allow them to to kind of build it up better. Hmm. Um one one suggestion I've seen sort of floating around online is with with uh the clip feature just on Twitch, people were saying you should have um sort of a uh, their, their own version of TikTok, but built into the app. So it doesn't take you off to sort of like a weird tangent website to, to view a clip um, mm-hmm. where you can go to a certain part of, you know, the app and just sort of just start scrolling through different clips. You can, you know, give it a like or a heart or whatever. Um, and that would be a really good sort of short form content. So people who have these clips and, you know, add in a little, you know, basic editing tools and lots of stuff like text options, zooming in, some effects, whatever. Um, yeah. But have that implemented into the Twitch um, app. So it's kind of like a mini version of TikTok, but just with Twitch moments. Um, I, yeah. I think that's really good. But then you get into the whole DMCA issue. People are so scared to make clips now because they're scared that they're going to be pulled up on DMCA issues. So like you said, I'm not sure what else they really could do to to hold this spot as number one so the dmca aside they're two separate things i want to talk about real quickly the 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 clip method that you're talking about i use this platform called metal.tv okay and it's exactly that if if twitch had an ability like it's kind of like shadow play but it captures a clip you have the editing tools small editing tools Hmm. um and it even has the ability to single out only game audio when it records. So oh, okay. you could have music playing, you could be talking with friends, or you could be talking yourself. And if you wanted to have single game audio, you can then cut that. So like, there's there's some really cool things and apps that have coming out that I think Twitch could use or create something very similar. 
that would allow them to to do that really well um yeah i that that's one major thing that i think they could do yeah. I, don't, I really don't know what else like the discoverability portion is really hard i know they tried to add thumbnails to your clips into your long form videos and try to build that portion of vods to to make them look more appealing and be uh, more accessible but i mm. don't think it's taken off because that's the audience that's not that's they're trying to, to use the youtube mentality for a twitch audience and yeah it, like it's, it's, they're trained differently yeah it's definitely the the audience behavior like people people are trying to click on certain buttons in certain locations or behave in, in certain ways on the website. And I think it's going to be hard for them to sort of change that behavior on the website. But I, I still do think they need to do something because while other platforms are introducing, you know, different features and functionalities and improving, Twitch is just kind of sort of sitting there. So their latest thing from my memory um, was the, the channel boosting feature. And it wasn't really explained. So I'm sure you've heard of the channel boosting feature on Twitch. No. Um, so basically it's it's random apparently, um, but certain select channels, if you are affiliated, uh, it's similar to the hype train that pops up if you have a lot of people um, sort of donating mm -hmm. a bit. So a prompt will come up in that same location on your chat. People in the chat can then spend their channel points uh, and if enough channel point channel points are donated or submitted through the chat, your stream then can be pushed onto a recommended um, sort of area on the on the homepage. But this yeah, is okay. thing it's reliant on the off chance you get that prompt for the to have your channel boosted, and also that there are enough people in your chat to submit x required amount of points to get your page there. So. They're like, you know, this is going to be for, you know, discoverability. This is their attempt at solving that. I'm thinking, well, it's completely random. And if you get it and you just might have a lull in your chat, then no one's going to be submitting channel points and therefore you won't get um, pushed to the front page. I'm like, to me, yeah. to me, that's a pretty weak effort at, at trying to, you know, it, it's sort of a band-aid solution to a discoverability issue that's sort of plaguing the website. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think I don't know what they're gonna be able to do, hmm. and I think the the main thing that is gonna keep building them is, are the main creators. Yeah, and like the the big thing is, I think the main creators on Twitch are in a position now where if if the top like twenty of them left and made their own, they'd probably be able to make a better one than Twitch and oh, make yeah. it even bigger. Yeah. And it's the same it's the same um conversation that you could have about any large organization or like franchise. Like if the top twenty players from the NBA went off and tried to make their own NBA, they probably yeah. could and do it successfully because they have the clout, they have the, the capital to do that. Mm. And and that that's the the conversation. It's like how how long can these individual platforms, not just Twitch, um, still and hold and maintain the creators that have outgrown them. Hmm. Like, technically, I feel like Ninja could have his own platform that he could stream to, and not have Twitch take a cut of any of his donations through through that. Yeah. Right. Sure, he's got he's got a contract he's been signed, but someone of his caliber, he could probably do that without the help of. Right. Uh, he definitely and, have the resources. Yeah, hundred percent. So, so there's there's that question, and it's like, does he want to worry about that, um, the overheads and all of that other nonsense that comes with it? Is, mm. it? is he just better off focusing on this, and then Twitch and and uh, Amazon worry about the rest, and he's their talent to to shield to to other companies and partners. Mm. And 
that's that's where I see like again, um, Twitch, YouTube, uh, Facebook, and what Mixer tried to do is the transition from individual creators being more like um, record signed artists or label like yeah. labels signing artists and that conversation as well building even further that Facebook's now signing talent on contracts with with regular incomes um and and after they're hitting certain quotas more milestone payments and all of this other stuff as well hmm. and i think that that you know for the smaller creator might be more appealing but it's still really hard i don't know i don't know what they can do for twitch hmm. it, it'll, it'll be interesting when the um the new reports uh come out because um last quarterly reports uh facebook was just going like it was nowhere near as popular as youtube and nowhere near as popular as twitch but facebook gaming definitely has a very very fast growing um audience and user base both streamers and viewers um mm-hmm. and one of the big things that uh, i've sort of noticed when when people talk to me about you know picking a platform or whatever is monetization i've had this guy in my dms all yesterday talking about you know the potential to grow on twitch or facebook or youtube and he was just fixated on just getting monetized yeah i kept saying to him like if you're going to get into streaming just purely to make money it's probably not something that you would want to do like you might get lucky but chances are it's you, you probably won't get to a point until many 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 years have passed of putting in the you know the hard yards and the actual effort to to actually get to a point where you build a proper community who want to support you it's not just uh, i'll turn on my webcam and you know overnight i'm ninja level success yeah one of the big things that you know i, I sort of communicate with people is don't get into streaming because of the money now with twitch currently at the time of this podcast they take unless you sort of negotiate outside of your contracts and all that sort of stuff they take 50 percent of your revenue um you know through your subs and all that sort of stuff whereas facebook at the moment from august 2020 to august 2021 they're letting streamers keep everything so they're not taking a single cut um, and going back to what you said before i think you know for smaller streamers who are looking to have that monetization option that might be the better way to go about it um, but then going back to what we we're saying with restreaming you can sort of have your cake and eat it too just don't become an affiliate on twitch and then you can still sort of monetize your facebook and if you have a big enough youtube channel you can monetize that without being made exclusive to to twitch if you accept that affiliate program yeah i well one thing going going to like monetization i think the mentality of twitch streaming need and, and streaming and content creation in general needs to they people need to understand that it's like going to Hollywood and becoming an actor hmm. and be and being in a blockbuster film. Yeah. There's only a very small percentage, the top 1% that actually will be Iron Man, will be Thor. Yeah. Right. There's not, and, and this is, you know, Ninja Shroud, They're, that's who they are. Yeah. And, and it's not like everyone's going to hit that top level of success and everyone's going to be in the blockbuster film or everyone's going to be on the top page with a, a million viewers. Hmm. You know, there, there are so many B, C, and D grade films and musicians out there that yep. the same thing is happening in, on Twitch and in live streaming and content creation that people don't necessarily get that you won't be the top straight away. Mm. And even if you are going, even if you're trying, it's not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the, there's a lot of misconceptions. It's like, oh, they're just playing video games. I play video games all the time. I can make it. 
Yeah. Um, you know, the same same thing for ambition for for going to Hollywood and becoming an actor. Mm. I think that mentality just needs to be more honed in and, and honest. Yeah. My, I've had a couple of mates who's <laughs> who try to start streaming thinking, yeah, you know, give me a couple of months and I'll be number one on Twitch. I can do this. This is easy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Whatever. Like, have a go at it. And they'll sit there. They go, oh, no one's coming to my stream. I said, yeah, I know. Like, you're one, <laughs> one drop in the ocean, mate. And they go, how long have you been streaming for? And I'm like, ah, oh, about four years. And they go, yeah. what, what are you doing? Like, how come you're only getting like, you know, on average, like 10 viewers a stream? I'm like, just try it. I'm like, it's a lot harder than what it, you know, what, what you think it is. It's not as easy as flicking on that camera. Um, yeah. And that's what I was saying. My number one tip to people starting out is manage your expectations. Like, you might get very, very lucky in the 0.001% of people who start streaming and just continue to grow at an insane speed. Or you could be like, you know, the most, you know, the, all the rest of us and just have to put in the hard yards, grind, do your content creation, network with the right people and all that sort of stuff. It's people look at this and just think, oh, there's, that's easy. It's just a video game, but they really don't understand the back end until they start getting into it, seeing that no one turns up and they go, oh shit, this is a bit harder. <laughs> yeah. Networking, I would definitely agree, and I don't know. It's probably we haven't really talked much about it tonight, mm. um, but it's one thing that has made my kind of content creation career overlap with my professional career. Yeah, and being able to network efficiently and effectively with the right people um, has actually allowed well, is what got me into that esports and gaming full time job. Mm. Um, and that that that's you know. Something that I I think I've been very good at um, going to events and then we were able to in person like PAX and and Melbourne Esports Open and, and talking to the right people um, and and getting to know people and it's that that's been a very big thing for me yeah across the board and I'm so excited for this yeah hopefully those events you know can still <laughs> go ahead because I know because I know IEM Melbourne got switched to an um, online only event which is just sad but um yeah melbourne esports open and packs i really hope we'd be able to do something in person this year mm. um, especially in australia if, if it's only for australia like as well i'd be i'd be happy yeah just something at least yeah um i'm i'm really bad at networking i'm trying to get better now but if anyone who is out there like me who's sort of bad at networking or has maybe a little bit of social anxiety or doesn't know where to start, who to start with. Do you have any tips around like how to approach particular people for certain things or, you know, how you should start messaging or, you know, you have people who come across as sort of like sort of scammy or, you know, oh, hey, I'm live now, watch me. Like that, everyone knows that's a terrible way to network. Um, yeah. But is there something about, you know, something that someone could do who's just sort of starting out streaming um, and wants to get into the networking space to take it legitimate, like take a legitimate punt at growing. Um, is there any sort of beginner tips that you can offer to them? Like uh, I took <laughs> mine. Mine's very like I have a very unique kind of friendship group, right? Where mm. not many of them game, so I had to find others that were were gamers and that liked content creation. Right. And, and I was trying to figure out how do I do that? And I went through, you know, went through Facebook groups, went through um, discords, went through all of this stuff. And eventually you find the people that you can, you resonate a little bit more with and you can, you can have a chat with. Um, and 
places you go you go to places like gg easy in, in melbourne like a, an esports bar or, or, or fortress um and when you could be pre-covid times go to those places and see and talk to to people um in like-minded places like i i probably wouldn't go to a bar or a club anymore because it's not my scene and and that i'd go to unless with friends i, I would go to places that make me comfortable hmm. and i know people that are in a similar like zone or mindset as me yeah um one thing i used to do like there's that meetup website uh, meetup.com i think and there's a lot of stuff on there that i tried out you know from music um production to um to bands and musicians to to content creation and and, and things like that and again these was pre-covid times but being able to talk to people that are in a similar having a similar experience to you hmm. um that that makes it a lot easier um i don't know like the conversations usually are really awkward at the beginning and they're always going to be yeah um i don't think there's anyone that's gonna not feel awkward at the beginning but once you you know you figure out which which you, what your favorite games are or what your favorite streamer is or um you know what what monitor or graphics card or, or computer you have then you kind of start to find things that you've you know you're you're striding on and you, you you've got similarities and yeah. you don't like you like you know it's kind of like finding an xbox versus playstation play person or an, an apple versus pc or an apple versus android yeah. once you have those kind of um common similarities grounds. yeah yeah it's, it's a little bit easier it breaks it breaks the ice and then you start to learn more about them and i, I don't know there isn't really like a question or like a way to do that it, hmm. it's just kind of comes naturally over time and most most of the time you will sense if you're comfortable around that person or not yeah and and for especially um like for me the social anxiety portions is kind of quite high so i always feel like i'm not really welcome in the certain circumstances mm. but trying to break that ice and, and get to know people um is is the part that i've become a lot more accepting of and yeah. that you know in in those situations they're most likely there for the same reason you are yeah and putting that into perspective has actually helped me a lot um you know walking in and and you know we're, we're all here for the same reason yeah um and we all just want to learn and that that that's been like tell myself that as like a mantra as i walked into the door or yeah like take a breath and just kind of it, it sets sets the mood for everything yeah i i'm not sure if it's social anxiety but i definitely get just incredibly nervous uh, meeting new people and you know just trying to I, I hate that awkward period of just finding that common ground at the start of the conversation, especially yeah, if, yeah. You know, if I'm going to an event or meeting up with someone, you know, if, if we're meeting at a bar, I'll, I'll try to get a couple of beers into me first, just to sort of get a bit of, you know, liquid confidence in me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just cause I'm like, you know, if, if, if it's going to be the first meeting and all that sort of stuff, I'm like, mate, if it's going to be awkward silences and we have no common ground, it's just, I find that I, I talk a lot more and I'm sort of easier to sort of converse once I have a couple of beers in me just to sort of like calm down a little bit and go, okay, you know, as you said, they're here for the same reason. They might be feeling the exact same thing as me. It's all normal. Um, and, you know, it's just a friendly conversation. It's not like a job interview or anything like that. But I think that is one of the big key points to take home is as fast as you can try find that common ground so then you can have a natural and an organic feeling conversation where it's not so much of 
um, networking for business. It's more that, hey, we can now build a, a relationship or even a friendship because we have a common interest and just continue to, to, to develop that from there. One of the big things that um, you know I've sort of experienced from streaming is with people I meet who are also streamers, we automatically have that common ground. We all want to grow. Yeah. We're all trying to build community. So we've already got that space. We're already networking. We're cross-pollinating audiences and all that sort of stuff. So that's been really easy. And this is why I wanted to do something like this with the podcast as well, is that it's mainly based around content creation and all that sort of stuff. And if I'm getting other streamers on here who are streaming, making content, there's that common ground already. So I find that that, yeah, number one takeaway to network is just to try find that common ground on, you know, whether it be a particular game um, or opinion or activity, hobby, whatever, and just run with that. Yeah, no, I def- definitely agree. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, so I'm just going to go through the chat, see if anyone has any questions as well. Um, oh, good. We have cracked the hour mark, so I think I, w- I won't hold you for too much longer. Um, now, with regards to the tips, we discussed that, but is there something, I guess, on the, the, the flip side of that? Are there things that you see people do where you're just like, mate, stop doing that? Like, it's, it's harming, whether it's harming their growth or harming their potential to grow, is there anything that um, you see people do quite often where someone with your sort of industry experience or your background, you just know never works and it, it's more of a waste of time for them to do that? Do, do you see that as, um, as someone with your background? So, so I guess like from a live streamer, a content creator or? Yeah. So from, from, I guess someone who's trying to, to grow their content online. Um, yeah, I guess from a, a live streaming perspective and also just general content creation, are there things that you see where, you know, people are are definitely making the effort to try to grow, but you know, from your experience, you go, you know what, that's never going to work. Yeah. I get, like I, I'm probably prime example for some of this, right? Yeah. A lot of I've got a lot of these highly developed skills across graphics design, across animation, motion graphics, web design, and that that right there is the problem. Mm-hmm. I I have a, I, I'm a kind of jack of all trades, master of none, and and I'm not saying it's a bad thing because it's it's got me to the position I'm in today, mm. and I understand the methodology of everything, and and I can talk to a graphics designer, animator, web designer, graphic developer, and help them with that stuff. From a content perspective, similarly, I have like the ability to go live, set up all of these animations with that, the overlays and and thumbnails for um, YouTube content. I can do it all myself, right? I taught myself how to do that for over mm. years and years and years of practice. The problem with that, and the thing that I found for for me is, I have yet to find the niche where I want to dive into more for my audience to grow. Yeah, and. And that I think is a, the biggest problem is answering that question earlier on will help with the development of what you what your individual mission statement as a content creator is. And there's this there's this term and phrase coming around that I've um, listened to in other podcasts is is kind of not your mission statement, but your I, I don't want to I don't know what, I don't want to botch it, but I can't remember what the exact terms are. But it's like your reason for being, if that yep. makes sense. Yeah. So, 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 why do you do what you do? Hmm. And once you define that more, that's when it becomes a lot more clear. And like I said before, I'm not the hype guy. I think I, I am more lean towards an educator, and my 
my temperament and my kind of demeanor is very calm and collected mm. and I'm not going to be the one that's like, you know, let's go boys. Like, let's do that. <laughs> let's do this. Right. That's not me. And I tried it. Like sometimes I try, but it, it it's, you know, small glitters of, of that comes through, but it's not a focus and it's being more self-aware about that. Hmm has taken me i would say seven years to figure out <laughs> i i think that's i think that's a great point people try to mimic successful people but they don't share the same qualities or personality traits as the people they're trying to mimic yeah definitely i i look at them and i'm thinking that just must be exhausting that you're trying to mimic someone who doesn't have you know your personality traits isn't at all like you but you're trying to be like them to to become successful so I think that's a I, really good point. You have to know yourself and be true to who you are in order to sort of find your niche and your place in this sort of streaming space. Yeah, and and I, I probably what it extends past streaming as well, right? With mm. anything, I, I honestly like as you were saying these. I was like, you have to go watch the new Pixar or Disney movie Soul because <laughs> that, if anything, figure like helps you at a very basic level understand how someone finds what they are and what they want to do i definitely right. do want to watch that <laughs> i haven't seen it yet that's not on my list highly <laughs> recommend it yeah i'll definitely watch that but yeah it's i just see people and i'm like yep you're copying that streamer yep you're copying this streamer but you know it's it's the thing like like we said at the start of the start of the podcast you have to be genuine to yourself and also an extension to that is also being genuine with your community whether you whether it is content creation whether it is live stream I, I guess with making youtube videos and and all that sort of stuff where you can put a bit of production behind it you can cut up a 10 minute video and and, and essentially put it on um, you can create a character and you can be that character for 10 minutes live streaming on the other hand it's very very hard to to keep up that sort of fake persona um, and, and I see a lot of people struggling with that. They might do YouTube and then come over to, to live streaming and they go, oh, crap, I have to be this character for three hours. I'm used to only being that for a 10-minute video and now I have to keep that up. And you see that, you know, people aren't as interesting or aren't as hyped or energetic in the live streams, obviously because yeah. it's a lot longer, but they've very clearly put on a character or put on, um, you know, how actually excited they are about certain things and when it comes over to live streaming, it, it really shows, I guess, who the true character is. But I think in a space where there are a lot of sort of hype people and all that sort of stuff, I really do think, like, for you especially, there's a massive, massive space to, to fill in for educators and, and people who are calm and collected like yourself. Like, I, I very rarely go to streams where people are yelling and screaming. I, I much prefer to watch people who are just sort of peaceful, quiet, actually informative, who have worked in the space like yourself because I'm thinking, okay, cool. They're not shouting my ear off and they've also worked yeah. in the industry so they know what they're talking about. Um, and to me, I think there's a huge, huge space, especially for you, as I said, where educators are needed especially with all the changes that are going on um and with your past history and all that sort of stuff with networking there's definitely room for for educators and i i'd hope that there actually are more educators and streamers like you who get on the on on live streaming just to sort of balance it out a little bit yeah i i think like you, you can see that the rise of harris heller 
and like things like um Ashley Christ and string coach and and people like Roberto Blake hmm. and all of the all of the kind of um how to channels yep. for content creation and YouTube live streaming those have blown up the because of covid hmm. I would say and and during that time because people were at home they were trying to figure out what else they can they do during that time I, I, that was where I was like right, I want to lean into that a little more hmm. um and and they're all people that I follow and watch almost on a daily basis or listen to um you know podcasts and videos and all of that yeah and they're that's the kind of person or, or content or crowd that i'm i'm leaning into hmm. and it, even though it's like i'm still going to be doing gaming content because i enjoy it and that's what i want to do um i think my skill set and my like you like you said my perspective on things um has a has a different view to help educate on how yep. to do certain things um not not necessarily be the greatest headshot in in the history of, of a game yeah exactly um uh, now before we do wrap up um one game that i do see you playing a lot is slapshot yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah i personally never heard of this game so for those of you who are listening it's called slapshot um can you tell us a little bit about that because you have a little bit of a history with this game um and you've actually done some of your own animations and all that sort of stuff so could you tell us a little bit about that because i personally find that really interesting and what you've come up with i just i'm, I'm i could never create that in a million years um <laughs> it, it just looked awesome so yeah so slapshot um one was released march 2019 and this was when i was working in the startup and i was like just looking through free games um free games that were out because it was tight for budget because we're in a startup obviously yeah um and uh just kind of looking at other things to play and i was like right, i really want to play a hockey type game so i typed hockey into steam this game come up as a new release i'm like it looks all right i'll jump in um and it turned out to be one of the like for me at least one of the easy to pick up most complex to master games hmm. i've played in a, a long time and the general concept is you move the mouse, uh, you move the mouse or the um, right thumbstick to move the stick around your body, and the W A S and D and the left stick to to move your character around the ice. Yeah, um, as that's the, that's basically the controls. Um, there is no button press to to hit the stick. You have to literally swing your mouse like you would, um, you know, move a first person shooter left to right um, to do it. So with it, yeah, it, it's it's a very interesting game mechanic. Really? You make it look really easy. <laughs> well, this is <laughs> this is after like 150 hours playing that one game. Yeah, and and the competitive nature in me, like you'd know. So so history. But Sean and I used to play basketball together when we were kids. Yeah, and and that competitive nature, I still have a little bit of it in games. Like I need to play something competitive sometimes, or multiplayer at least, to, to yep. actually enjoy. Um, so I actually played in um, the OCE community has a as a decent community around it so that's kind of i found it um they were actually being advertised in the game so they had dev support there's only a small group it's a really indie game um and there's a whole league there's there are leagues in north america europe and and oce around this game um and as of i think last month or the month before they actually launched slapshot rebound which is their successor and it's yeah i highly recommend it if you can get past the learning curve Mm. At, like the, the base mechanics are pretty simple to pick up but the the the, the way to master it is is along yeah um and i was actually considering doing how-to content on how to do like certain movements or how to increase the stick handling skill and, yeah. and take the right shots and all of that um because there are some out there already but this is the same thing like i feel like i could do them better yeah um 
and that's the kind of thing. It's like Slapshot is a game for me because I played so much Rocket League. Um, it was something else that to jump into for free when I didn't want to purchase something else, and yeah. I literally just stuck with it. Yeah, it's uh, like yeah, when we were discussing it, um, I definitely see a massive, massive potential in the game, especially you know when you have the the competitions and there's a multiplayer sort of aspect of it. If you can get you know a couple of big streamers on that and they'll bring their community into it i can just see it's just going to be one of those really big competitive um you know just sort of like easy on the eyes like easy to look at kind of not, nothing overly complex just those simple animations but really yeah. really addictive to watch and play you know you could set up your own team you could verse other other teams and lots of stuff i think the 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 potential in this game is just massive uh, i i I think so too. And it's been very community driven, which is mm. a great thing for an indie developer and indie game. Yeah. And always I said, like, I was very lucky that I've been able to talk to the devs um, and they're, they're scattered across the world. There's like four of them. Um, and, you know, I said, if, if they, if they had the among us slash fall guys treatment, the game would blow oh, up huge. And it just needs the right person. Um, like one of the, um, one of the NHL YouTubers is actually um, pushing it at the moment. Oh, really? They've got about, I think 50 K on their, on their YouTube channel and, and they've been pushing and doing content on it. And I think, you know, in NA it's getting a little bit of traction. Hmm. And I think here, here I did like a, a one post and several people that not, don't normally comment or engage on the content. Like I need to figure out how to play this game. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's yeah. going to be, if, if it starts starting snowballing, it's just going to explode. I can see it now. <laughs> one, I one thing I wanted to do, like, because they've got a new season for OCE starting soon. Instead of playing in it, I was looking at more commentating and casting to help build the marketing collateral for them behind it. Hmm. Um, and in doing that, I actually created um, like pretty much like a VTuber character. Yeah, I saw that. That <laughs> was awesome. Of, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you'd bring that up. <laughs> yeah, um, based off of their character, so. Their lead artist sent me some ref reference work that I could create my own myself as a character that looks like it's in from the game in a, in a, like a suit, like a commentator from a from an actual sport. Um, and I've got like a casting desk with a with a TV that I can play reels and highlights on. So the concept was for for season one in the in OCE or season eight for for um, the new game was to get highlights, get post-match reports and just push content around to actually build the universe and the character um, and maybe persona. I don't know if I'm going to talk the way I am or if I'm going to put on like a more commentator kind of persona for it. Hmm. But it was just like, I'm going to VTube as a character commentator from Slapshot Rebound yeah. and um, build it out and see how it goes online, if it does anything. Um, but also it was good for me to practice like my old university skills of graphics design and some animation. So it was yeah. like really cool to kind of pick up some things and put it together. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and look, this is a whole nother topic in and of itself. The whole VTuber thing, it's its blowing up. It's massive at the moment. But I think that's yeah. a really interesting um, sort of dynamic that you can implement your skills and your background into a sort of a new and upcoming game to, to bring like a... Um, a fresh sort of take and you know diversifying your content in live streams and the videos if you are going to make them that's the thing that i don't see many people doing setting up vtubers to to sort of commentate sort of sport um sort of games and all that sort of stuff so i think that's really really interesting implementation of your background and your education with 
sort of a, a an up and coming trend on on the live streaming space, um, just to make everything a lot more interesting and appealing. And I think that really will contribute to whether you're doing it on youtube or you're doing it live that's really going to contribute to your growth even if you're going to do like a, an educational video or live stream or just commentating on other games I, I think that's going to be what sets you apart from other streamers or video makers in that space yeah, i like i had concepts while creating the slapshot one but mm. What if I did one for Among Us and for Fall Guys yeah. and just had them there and with facial expressions that move with my facial expressions and and do a cast or do do a stream with those characters? So it's very game specific, mm. um, using the assets of the game, and that was the concept. And I really think like there's there's an opportunity there. Um, it's just like my, my again my problem would be. I need to find the game that I'd play the most to do yeah. that for because it's it's a big effort. Yeah. Um, to of of not creating content but be creating the animational assets for that yeah um and the reason i picked slapshot was because it was such a simple looking game hmm. right um where among us i could probably do four guys i could probably do um but yeah the simplistic game i could do better yeah that, that doesn't doesn't stop me like if i really got into it and wanted to invest i could probably outsource to like a, a freelancer to help with the creation of hmm. um and that's becoming its own thing as well. I've seen a lot of VTubers who don't know how to do the graphic component of it, getting someone to help them set that up for them. Yep. And there's a market now building on that as well. Yeah. People are definitely, I guess, getting like a small production team behind their live streaming um, just, yeah. to, just to try to diversify. And, you know, every day the bar is being raised as, you know, Oh, this person's doing this. This person now has their own editor. This person now has a whole production team around the animations of their VTuber. You have people who are, you know, commissioned to draw and have copyright of their own actual original VTuber character. It, it's just yeah. crazy how how far down this rabbit hole you can go. <laughs> and I, th I think that 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 as well is a is a is a big problem mm. um, for a lot of people is that they try to chase it all the time instead of focusing on what they're they're themselves and what they're good at and what they want to do yeah um comparison to someone else in any industry is is like the biggest problem as well hmm 100 agree yeah all right well i think i'll um i'll wrap it up here um i haven't gone for 120 but um an hour and 20 sorry um i definitely got to get you back on because there's still we i reckon we could talk for three four hours tops <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we just keep going and going, going. There's, there's so many different topics to go over there is and, just... <laughs> and it, it's been really great having you on just someone who has that sort of unique experience you know we we can bring in guests and, and people who stream all the time and they obviously have the perspective of i'm a streamer i do this but yeah. you're as, as we said you're in that unique position where you have that back-end experience and you have this sort of that networking skill and you know people to talk to in that industry so i really do appreciate um you know you coming on and, and sort of giving that insight i know you don't have to but i really do appreciate that and it actually offers a lot of value to to this entire podcast and anyone listening so i really do appreciate that um for anyone who is interested in sort of reaching out to you if, if they if they need to or if they want to or if they want to see your streams or content where whereabouts can they find you again um so i'm i'm jurified on all platforms and if you head to jurified.com that's like my main my main source of everything yeah 
cool all right um and anyone who else anyone else who is listening um at a later date i will put uh, nick's socials in the description on the show notes um but yeah i think we'll leave it there unless you have anything else to say no that's it no. thanks thanks for having me on no worries awesome all right i'll do my wrap up then um and yeah i'll, I'll get you on the podcast shortly another episode so we can pick your brain again um yeah, and i think i think next time i might get um some audience questions beforehand as well so anyone who's interested or wants to sort of divulge into that um you know that background that you have um i think that'll be interesting as well to get different questions coming in so yeah awesome all right cool um i'll do my wrap up um take care mate have a good night catch you later so yeah all right guys thank you so much for listening to another episode of pixels podcast i really do hope that you enjoyed that i hope that you enjoy the new perspective or different perspective that nick has to offer as well um, it's not every day that you get someone who's actually worked in the industry on the back end um, onto the podcast so as i said we will get nick in on another podcast um, in the future so if you do have any further questions please go ahead reach out to me or nick in um, the description or the social links down in the description below um, and again thank you so much for listening if you did find this podcast useful or helpful at all i would really appreciate um, a rating or a heart on whatever platform you're listening to this on um, but that's basically it for the podcast. So thank you so much for listening. Take care, stay safe, and I'll see you in the next one.